All right, everybody, let's rock and roll. Time to boogie. <laughs> Good morning, folks. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday, all day, January 5th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 275. That's right, 275. We got a banger of a day. We're going to have to get going pretty quick. We got a lot to cover. It is What's Your Meme Thursday. Dan Reardon has provided another gem to the community. We'll get into that a little bit later. But first, let me introduce myself and the show. Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. This is the show where we cover the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I provide my expert analysis on each of those stories on what you can do with them uh, to operationalize them. Or if you're looking to break in the industry, um, it will be relevant in job interviews and giving you, you know, context of what's going on. Uh, terminology in our industry. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier. This is the Daily Threat Briefing. Love it, love it, love it. Now, before we get into the daily news, we always love to shout out and say thank you to the stream's sponsors, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and help them recover from damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber attacks. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can see their websites right here on the stream. Scroll down half a click. Here's Eric Taylor. Eric Taylor, he's, he's not the only employee there, but he is the lead investigator, incident responder, you can get directly on his schedule and basically talk about a if your business is under attack you're going to want this bookmarked or if you haven't been attacked yet and you're actually being proactive oh shocker being proactive it's good to have these kind of relationships in place ahead of time so you can just pick up the phone and give a call barricadecyber.com all right also loving on me some recon infosec guys love 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 recon infosec where's i, I need a, a different read here if you're looking for help to augment your IT or security team with a fantastic managed detection and response service, MDR, I encourage you to consider Recon InfoSec. Their MDR offering includes the people, process, and tech needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. One of the best things that you may not know about Recon's MDR service is that they provide direct access to engineers, architects, anytime, for any reason. This is already on top of the fully managed Simmons store, which they handle and manage, including the infrastructure costs, including the care and feeding of that Simmons store. A lot of people don't give consideration for that, but it will give you full visibility into your own environment and any incidents being investigated by the Recon SOC team. They're literally a security company. And the key difference here, people, is it's run by security people. I know that's a nuance. But trust me, some businesses are run by business people and they sell security product. Some security businesses are run by security people who actually, I don't want to say actually understand what's going on, but I'm just, they have a more uh, greater appreciation for the nuances of how to protect an organization. So reconinfosec.com, check it out. MDR is a sick, sick option in our industry. I'm, I'm wicked glad that that's something we have access to. Now, I want to remind you, if you are holding a professional cybersecurity certification, CISP, CISA, CISM. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so it's two and a half a week, 10 a month. Check with your certification body to make sure how it can stack up. I was told the other day CompTIA will only allow you 10 CPEs uh, max for something like this. 
Um, I know ISC squared and ISACA isn't like that because I check the policies myself. I am a SISP, SISA system certification holder. Um, be sure to say what's up in chat. It's the easiest way to get CPEs. It's a good time up in here. Yeet it. Right? If you're live, love it. Thanks so much. I see 106 of you up in here this morning. Good good on you. Thursdays are a lot of fun. Thanks for being here. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. I want to make sure that you get credit for those CPEs. And I also just love seeing the team replay. I always throw some hearts out uh, on the YouTubes for the hashtag team replay comments. Reminder, next week we are doing a banger of a giveaway i'm super pumped every single day next week will be a giveaway i will be revealing on stream tomorrow exactly what that is it's a prize that we've never given away on the channel before um, i'm super excited it is related to some training uh, i'm in the middle of taking the training because i said i wanted to before i would um basically affiliate with it and i'm loving it loving it loving it loving it loving it all right, so let's, uh, you know, hang out. I do have a, uh, if you're on YouTube, uh, I do have a emote uh, vote going right now. Here are the emotes. Squad members, if you're a squad member, you get access to exclusive emotes. We have room to add another one. This is the BCS, Barricade Cyber Solutions logo. Longtime sponsor. Uh, Eric Taylor sponsored 200 squad members last week or two weeks ago, which was sick. Um, his logo, cash rules everything around me, cream. If you know the woo, you know what I'm talking about. Um, then we've got uh, John Bender from The Breakfast Club. We do play Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me all the time. So Bender logo. And then this is a hot take I have made up for uh, jawjacking. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Excuse me. So go ahead and vote in uh in youtube's vote thing there in chat and we will revisit this at the mid-roll guys love hanging out if you're here for the news i'm going to make it a point to get right to the news uh and do the jaw jacket on the back end that way we can segment uh the audience nicely and you can get what you're here for if you're here for the news let's get you that news if you're here for news and jaw jacking let's get news and jaw jacking want to say what's up to justin ells carrie chazen jim wales jess bishop paula terranova matt mcdaniel my man Arian Sagetti, good to see you, my man. Adam V, huge shout out. Adam sent me a link yesterday. Cody Kinsey is definitely locked in for some Simply Cyber action. Super pumped about that. Let's do it, guys. If you're here for the news, you're in luck because we're about to start it. Let's giddy up. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Mudge joins cybersecurity firm Rapid7. Peter Mudge Zatko, the prominent computer security expert who blew the whistle on Twitter last year over alleged security issues, is joining the cybersecurity firm Rapid7. Zatko will advise Rapid7's executive team and customers in a part-time role. Mudge will report directly to the company's chief executive officer, Corey Thomas, who called Zatko's extensive experience invaluable. Okay, <clears throat> a couple things here. One, it probably made Bloomberg. Uh, by the way, just as a side note, like we haven't had a Bloomberg story in a while, thankfully. Usually Bloomberg has like a nasty paywall and I always get wicked, wicked aggravated and annoyed live on stream. So you guys aren't getting that today. All right, so the reason that this is a story is that uh, Peter Zatko is a legend. He's like an elder in our industry, okay? He's one of the ones who kind of 
well, he's not kind of. He is one of the loft uh, crew out of Boston in the late 80s who basically uh, put InfoSec on the scene as a real thing. Like if you if you want to break into information security, all, many of us are in information security. The reason that it is such a burgeoning, blown up industry is partly in part because of this guy. And that's why it's so, so relevant that they report on him, okay? He also, um, he worked for the government for a while. He His his handle is Mudge, M-U-D-G-E. I've talked to this guy at conferences. He's a really, really nice guy, very approachable, cares a ton about um, information security and America. Um, He's joining Rapid7, no big deal. Rapid7 is a vulnerability scanning company. Uh, I think they own Metasploit now, or they owned Metasploit, or HD Moore works there, who was responsible. I, correct me if I'm wrong, chat. There's definitely some tie in a Metasploit there. Um, and he was in the news recently for basically telling regulators that Twitter's InfoSec posture was terrible. Like a third of the company had all the source code. They didn't have like MFA and stuff like that. So he's been a hot, hot in the news. Um, it's interesting that he went to, he's advising on Rapid7. Rapid7 has been around for like 15 years. Rapid7 is not some like innovative, uh, or, you know, bleeding edge tech company that is doing something with ChatGPT. Like Rapid7 is a well-established, reputable enterprise uh, cybersecurity solution. So for him advising there, honestly, honestly, get your tinfoil hat emote out. Uh, as I'm just talking about this out loud, again, I love, love Mudge. I love, love Rapid7, so it's none of that. But like, um, yes, they're getting advisement from Mudge, but also this is great, great pub, okay? So I'm not saying they hired him exclusively for publicity, but this is great, great pub. This is on Bloomberg's website right now, Rapid7's brand name, tied to Mudge, okay? So there is intrinsic value in having a celebrity, a internet uh, cybersecurity uh, elder uh, associated with your brand. And I'll just show you this really quick because um, it's a really famous picture. I know many of you have seen this before, but um, this is Mudge and the whole Loft crew um, talking to Congress. Come on, come on, man. What are we doing here? Get, I don't want that. Uh, kind of looks like the Last Supper, doesn't it? All right. Um, Dude, I just want the picture. Can we just get the picture? Can we just get the picture? Bruh. All right, yeah. So here's that famous picture of them um, talking in Congress. Here's Kingpin, Tan, um, Weld Pawn, Space Rogue. These guys were the loft crew, and they basically were explaining in the late 80s, early 90s that because the way the internet was and because it was so brittle, they could easily take down critical infrastructure. And that is what launched, you know... Launched a thousand cybersecurity ships. This event right here. Um, they did a great talk at DEFCON two years. Uh, oh my God, was it pre-COVID? Wow. Okay, so they did a great talk pre-COVID. If it's it's online, I'm sure somewhere. The whole loft group, not the whole, but like four of these guys, um, about what it was to do this talk and why they chose what they did and everything like that. Fa fascinating, fascinating um, panel discussion. Okay, that's what's going on. Meta fined $400 million by European regulator.
Ireland's Data Protection Commission, or DPC, has fined Meta. Oh, thank you, BSEC. So it was the late '90s. I, I'm, I'm so <laughs> a lot of gray in the hair. I, I, time gets uh, mushed up. 390 million euros, about 413 million dollars U.S. After years-long inquiries into Facebook and Instagram's data processing operations, the DPC ruled Meta to be in violation of the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation for failing to inform users how their personal data was being used. The ruling exposed a disagreement among European regulators about how to enforce GDPR. Initially, the fines by the DPC were much lower, but were raised upon orders from the European Data Protection Board. Coin okay, <laughs> I'm not going to spend a terrible amount of time on this. I have two kind of t takes on this. One, kiss your Blarney Stone, Meta. Dude, Ireland and France are going tit for tat as far as like <laughs> finding the crap out of Meta. I don't know if you guys have been following this, but like it seems like every other week it's like France finds Meta $29 million for GDPR infraction or privacy infraction or not disclosing that they're tracking cookies infraction or whatever. And then like the following week, it's like, no, 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 no. Ireland finds Meta $400 million. Oh, my God. So, you know, I, here's the thing. At some point, I, we always joke that like it's it's just... um pocket change, right? Meta Meta made like $60 billion last year. What's $400 million? Guys, at some point, at some point, some bean counter actuarial person, some finance analyst, they definitely have a line chart somewhere. And when the fines pass the amount of profit <laughs> that the business makes, when that happens, there's no reason to do business there anymore. Okay. Like it's simple, simple, basic, market economics okay if it costs more money to do business in ireland or europe than it is worth uh the revenue generated why would you do that right it's like it's like it's like paying a, a, a it's like it's like paying a dime to, to to make a nickel it's stupid right so at some point you know i'm not saying they should be careful i'm not saying that i'm threat like meta's threatening but like at some point, all this infractions, man, it's it's gonna Meta's like Meta should get their uh, privacy stuff tightened in order. But GDPR is very very um, sharp and scrutinizing, and for a company as big as Meta, I could see it being difficult to implement it correctly everywhere all the time. Now I don't know about this four hundred million dollar fine, whether or not it was like an egregious issue or you know, just a, a collection of small issues. I don't know, but $400 million is no joke. The other interesting thing is that the European Union, there's no, like Ireland is fining. France is fining. There isn't, GDPR is a European Union regulation, right? So it's not like there's a European Union body fining and suing Meta. So now they're having a little bit of infighting on how, like who's responsible like so is ireland getting this 400 million dollars right is is uh people in wales equally affected but not getting anything like i don't i don't know all that but they're having some infighting i'm sure guys if i had to guess the root of all this infighting i'll give you one hint kimberly Great cash, homie. <laughs> ireland's getting i'm not saying ireland's like this is their gdp and this is how they're they're making money but bruh I'm sure other countries are looking at this and like, oh, I want some money. I want, uh, yeah, uh, like my my citizens are equally affected. Like, so 
whatever. Uh, stay tuned next week for France to sue him. Base <laughs> strikes $100 million deal with regulators. The publicly traded crypto exchange Coinbase will pay $100 million for violating New York state laws. The New York State Department of Financial Services found that Coinbase's compliance program failures made it, quote, vulnerable to serious criminal conduct, including, among other things, examples of fraud, possible money laundering, suspected child sexual abuse, material-related activity, and potential narcotics trafficking, end quote. Wednesday's announcement comes amidst mounting pressure on regulators to monitor crypto exchanges in the wake of the November collapse of FTX. Coinbase will pay $50 million in penalty fees to the state and another $50 million to ramp up its compliance program. All right, hold on. Let me, uh, I, I've introduced a new technique of like adding time marks and I forgot here. Um, I just want to see Coinbase's uh, 2021 revenue. Let's just take a look. $7.8 billion. Okay. All right. $7.8 billion. $100 million for regulators. Um, Price of doing business, right? No big deal. Uh, also, a $100 million fine from regulators. We'll give them a little shout out. That's the sound of the police. Okay, a couple things here worth noting. One, um, I applaud Coinbase for getting publicly listed on a United States exchange. One of the things that you see in the crypto space, which by the way, did I, did I do the FinFrock stuff? I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Listen, one of the things going on in the crypto space, which you know I loathe, is, you know, FTX was working out of the Bahamas. Um, Binance, CZ over at Binance, like I don't even know where they operate out of. They're definitely not the United States. That guy's like all over the place. Um, and they say, the argument is like, oh, crypto is so new. You can't regulate it the same way that you would regulate traditional financial institutions that the auditors don't understand. The Deloitte, the PWCs, they don't understand how crypto works, brah. So they wouldn't understand it, right? So we can't be, we can't be audited. We can't be regulated. It's impossible. It's beyond comprehension how we operate. Okay, then you see Coinbase, which is a huge, huge player in the space, publicly listed, publicly audited, uh, regulated. Now, granted, they, they've got, you know, they've got a skinned elbow here uh, for $100 million, but the cost of business, right? Like, it's just the cost of business. Um, so they have proved that it happens. Now, I want to point out that the reason they're getting fined $100 million is because they, the, the regulators uh, determined that it was very easy to commit criminal fraud. It was very easy to launder money. It was very easy to do, um, you know, exploitation. I don't know if they said child exploitation or child, uh, or, um, uh, uh, you know, just exploitation in general. Uh, but whatever, that's what they're arguing. I want to point out here too, the failures included an overly simplistic customer due diligence program, a backlog of thousands of unreviewed transaction monitoring or alerts and other suspicious activity. Okay. Um, I am going to tie this to cybersecurity. So you guys aren't like, why? Like this is simply cyber, not simply crypto. What are we doing here, Jerry? Here's the thing. First of all, I'm hopefully, you know, they have to get these things in order or else they're going to get fined more. I'm sure the regulators gave them like a 90 day or 180 day remediation window to get these things fixed. Now, what does this have to do with an information security program, Jerry? Oh, I'm glad you asked, chat. Here's the deal. Listen, 
when you set up an information security program, right? If you're a CISO, if you're a one man band or one woman band, whatever it is, listen, here is a reality. A lot of people who don't know any better, and I mean this with all the respect and love in my heart, okay? A lot of people who don't know any better will be like, oh, like the first thing we have to do is set up policies and procedures. Okay. Configure logs. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Right. So they just, they like whip out, you know, either it's like a policy docs in a box, right? So you, you spend like 500 bucks and you just get canned policies, canned processes. And you put that in front of the auditor and you're like, look at that. We are a level one InfoSec program. I'm going to get tacos. Here is the problem. When you do that, yes, you are moving forward towards maturing an information security program. However, you are now establishing a baseline. You know how zip ties go in, but they don't come out? Every click of a zip tie link is you maturing the information security program. Yeah, you can have some like uh, fallbacks and, 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 you know, kind of like some stumbling blocks and stuff like that. But for the most part, as you're building an information security program, this is more for the CISOs in the audience and the, and the aspiring CISOs. As you're building it, you don't go backwards on that zip tie. You're building it up. So when you put all this policy and all this crap in place and you're like, yeah, I'm feeling awesome. You are now establishing these are the things. The reason that I tie it to, and you have to build on top of it, right? You can't, you can't just re revise the policies next year and be like, look at that. We're mature. I opened and uh, updated the review date on the policies, InfoSec program still good. No, 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 no. That doesn't work that way. And the same thing is happening here. I guarantee you Coinbase had an, uh, a situation where they're like, you need to do customer due diligence because we can't have um, criminals laundering money through here. And you need to uh, flag suspicious transactions. Very similar to you need a user access uh, process for um, granting appropriate access, mo monitoring that access, and revoking access when people get terminated or contracts end or whatever. Okay, you see the one-to-one -one comparison here, right? And then for fraudulent, potentially fraudulent transactions that require review, it's the same thing for endpoint uh, telemetry, right? Configure your Windows boxes with Sysmon to send telemetry to a SIM. No problem. Click, click, click. High fives. Beers and tacos. Everybody wins. Here's the problem. When all that telemetry is coming into your SIM and you're not looking at it, the auditors are going to come in and say, hey, last year we looked. You had all your user access processes in place and you, you had telemetry pushing into a SIM. Show me the last five employees that quit and that their access was revoked. Like HR, show me the last five employees that were terminated. Okay, it was BSEC, it was Regina Franklin, Shane Himes, Richard Dasbet, and Gail Salins. Awesome. IT, show me where those five user accounts are right now. Show them to me. Oh, they're all active. Nice. So you put a pro paper process in place and you're not actually following it. Ding! Show me your telemetry. Show me where you're auditing. Show me your uh, incident response tickets where you found a fraudulent transaction coming into your SIM and you investigated it. Oh, you don't do that? Ding! Fine, right? Do you understand? When you do this, you need to build it up. And that's why it's so short-sighted and so silly when people go, you know, ham on the first part of an InfoSec program because it's a paper, you know, a pencil whipping exercise and they do not realize what they are doing is actually causing long-term problems to themselves. But hey, the average CISO life's 18 months. You kick it down the road and then you go find a new job, rinse and repeat, right? Nearly 20 car manufacturers potentially exposed PII. Sorry.
In November, researchers discovered significant API vulnerabilities in the technologies of well-known vehicle brands, including BMW, Rolls-Royce, Mercedes-Benz, Ferrari, Porsche, Jaguar, Land Rover, Ford, Kia, Honda, Infiniti, Nissan, Acura, Hyundai, Toyota, and Genesis. The flaws could allow threat actors to unlock, start, and track cars, as well as expose personal information of customers. The most severe API flaws were found in BMW and Mercedes-Benz, which could allow attackers to access internal systems. Ferrari also suffered from poorly implemented SSO on its CMS, exposing back-end API routes and making it possible to modify and delete any Ferrari customer account, manage their vehicle profile, or set themselves as the car owner. The impacted vendors have fixed all issues, so they are no longer exploitable. Woo. Okay, this shirt right here, someone asked me, this is the Advent of Cyber 2022 official shirt, right? I don't know if you can see that. I did day 22. I was very, very fortunate, very, very um, excited to be asked to do Advent of Cyber day 22. And they sent me some merch. I just didn't have it in time to wear it in the video. Uh, whoever asked that. Jeremy Williams with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Jeremy Williams. Um, guys, okay, so this is kind of cool. Um, there was a lot of acronyms in here, if you didn't hear it. <laughs> they said, what did they say? They said, uh, um, oh my God, there was there was one uh, sentence that had three acronyms in it that was funny. The, oh, yeah, the SSO uh, to the API led to XSS or something like that for BMW, whatever. Guys, here's the thing. As cars get smart, as there's integrations, as there's an app on your phone so you can see like the wear on your tires, You've got to remember, it isn't a closed loop system. Your phone is not connecting directly to your car and having that exchange only. The vendors, the car manufacturers, they want to know all this stuff because you know what they would love to do? They would love to send you a coupon for an oil change when they see that your uh, oil is getting dirty. They would love to send you a coupon for new tires when they see your tires are wearing out. They would absolutely love to send you a uh you know, whatever exclusive offer for trading in your car when they see that you know you're getting close to twenty thousand miles or whatever it is. The car data, man, cash money. Great cash, homie. That's what it is. It's all about that data, man. So they've got all of these systems hooked in to allow telemetry to change back and forth under the guise, for what it's worth, as uh, customer uh, service and customer convenience, but. Toyota, Mercedes, BMW, you know what they make? Cars. You know what they don't make? Software, okay? I mean, I, I'm being a little flippant, right? Yeah, obviously the cars have software in them and stuff like that. But these are basically, um, I mean, there's probably no real front end to this. So this is kind of like middleware. The API calls the car calling out to the mothership to report on stuff. Your phone app calling into the mothership to report on stuff. All of that stuff needs to be secure. And what is pointed out in this story is that well, tons of these APIs were not properly secured. Yes, they worked, right? This happens all the time. Software, it works. No big deal. I'm going home. The problem is it works a little too well. It's a little too accessible. And threat actors or you know unauthenticated, unauthorized individuals are able to query those APIs and either expose personal information like how much, like where to BSEC drive, right? Or they're able to do things that manipulate the car. Uh, 
you know, unlock the doors, roll the windows down, turn the stereo up, freak people out, lead to car theft, right? There's a million different things, right? Gone in 60 seconds. I guarantee you if Gone in 60 seconds was remade today, one of the hundred cars that they steal would absolutely have some type of attack like this integrated into it. And, and realistically, they probably could have done more of them like that. Um, they did say in the story that all of these manufacturers have fixed the API calls, so there's no issue. But guys, spoiler alert, more APIs are going to be written. More APIs are going to be vulnerable. This is an ongoing issue and one that, frankly, as a, as a car purchaser, as the consumer of the vehicle, um, you're not going to be able to like opt out of this. Like you can't be like, nah, I'm good. Like you barely have the op you barely have the option to disable the side passenger airbag, right? Like you are not authorized. <laughs> You're not going to be authorized to not push telemetry. This is one of those ones where like, yeah, you own the car, but you don't own the rights to the data uh, being produced by your car, which is interesting if you think about it. Exactly, Tom Bishop. No GDPR. And I know a lot of people be like, oh, you tinfoil hat. What are you talking about? Who cares about privacy? Who cares about where, where I'm driving? Um, okay. Like you could use the FinFrock model where you get some type of revenue share, but I guarantee you these companies are making money off of your data. I guarantee you, no doubt. And now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Did you know that over half of companies have sensitive SaaS data exposed on the public internet? And many breaches making headlines now involve SaaS apps? App Omni can help. App Omni identifies misconfigurations and guides remediation to keep your SaaS data secure. We help security teams make sense of data access permissions, third-party app visibility, and threat detection across their entire SaaS ecosystem. Get started at appomni.com. That's A-P-P-O-M-N-I.com. All right, people, mid-roll. We got a lot to get to on the mid-roll, so let me hop right into it. If you are getting entertainment out of this stream, if you are getting educational value out of the stream, if you're enjoying the stream in any capacity, the best way to say, thanks, Jerry, is to hit that like button. It does go a long way. Amadou, Amadou with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks, Amadou. Love it, love it, love it. Appreciate the support. Uh, so much. Same, same for you, Jeremy Williams. Appreciate the support. Guys, take a second. Hit that like button. I can't track. I don't know how many likes there are. I can never see it while it's going. But um, I, de I definitely appreciate it. I want to say, again, thank you and shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for the continued support of the stream. It definitely helps quite a bit. Great products. I'm very, very proud to be associated with both of those companies. Love it. 76 and counting. Let's push it past 100, guys. That should be our goal every day. Nail 100. We've got 180 people in here right now. Uh, if you don't know about it, the newsletter, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. Uh, literally, it's just an email I write once a week that shows up in your inbox on Monday morning, and it has three pieces of actionable intel for you guys. James McQuiggan with the $10 super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks, James, so much. Every move, I play chess with James uh, daily, and every time I make a move, I'm like super nervous. James is a chess expert, and he routinely uh, puts me down, uh, puts, 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 beats me up in chess. Um, all right, guys, also want to uh, give you a shout out. Uh, you guys, I don't know, I, I never really said this, but guys, the Cyber Defenders podcast, this is a podcast put on by Lima Charlie. 
the um, security technology company. Awesome, awesome group. I don't know if you guys know this, but like I literally weekly do a special Simply Cyber report, uh, excuse me, every other week for the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. It's kind of like a variety podcast where they have um, a 20-minute a, a history thing, this Titan Rain I talked about yesterday on stream. But every other week, I literally have a segment on this podcast. And I, I don't know, I've been doing it for like two months, and I, I just... I, I got so much going on, I forgot to share with the community that I'm doing this and that I'm affiliated uh, and working with Lima Charlie on this project. So if you guys are interested, uh, want to add a podcast, it's a produced one, it's not live, but I find it quite enjoyable. Uh, go check it out. We got the meme of the week Thursday. Dan Ritten, Haircut Fish, our own, does the meme of the week. Here we go. Joel Belton's Ice Cream Shop, new hire. This guy, Gerald Dozier. Come on down to Joel's ice cream, Joel Belton's ice cream shop. Get two scoops and a GDPR fine. <laughs> All right, let's look at the emote. Thank you so much, uh, Haircut Fish. Let's look at the emotes, guys. We got a vote going on on YouTube. It's the Barricade Cyber Solutions, the Cash Rules, everything around me, the Bender from Breakfast Club, and Jawjacking. Where are we at right now? Jawjackin's at 49%. I, I, I do, I do think we might have to have a runoff, guys. I can't. It's hard to say at 49% to. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to award Jawjackin with at 49%. We'll, we'll keep going. Take a minute. Vote. Um, Paula Terranova with the gifted subs. Get your la la la's on. La 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 la. Thank you, Paula Terranova. Best yep. Yeah, get those squad emotes, guys. Get that squad membership. Let me know, guys. Vote on um, vote on the emotes, and if we get over 50% for for any of them, uh, it looks like BCS isn't going to win. So maybe if you voted for BCS, change your vote and weigh in. All right, let's get back to the stream. Get that la 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 la's going. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. Let's continue the show. Flipper Zero phishing attacks target InfoSec community. A new phishing campaign is exploiting the security community's growing interest in a hacking tool called Flipper Zero. Flipper Zero is a pen testing Swiss Army knife that offers support for RFID emulation, digital access key cloning, radio communications, NFC, infrared, and Bluetooth. Threat actors are taking advantage of the popular tool and its scarce availability by creating fake Twitter accounts in stores. The stores aim to direct would-be buyers to the phishing checkout page where they enter their name, email, and shipping addresses, as well as a choice to pay using Ethereum or Bitcoin cryptocurrency. Yep. So it I got it. All right. So we got over a hundred uh likes on the on the stream today. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you all so much for the uh support and hitting that like button. Okay, so this is a pretty bold move, guys. Okay, the flipper zero. I got one. Super fun, super super uh like party favor novelty i also in case anyone's interested i also got the um the like you you, you if you want to do like wireless pack packet injection and deauth attacks and stuff like that you have to get the um additional wireless uh card uh but the, but the tool itself is really really fun there was a run on these things and then like it was like shrouded in mystery because um a, a shipping container got held up at customs I believe they're made in Russia, which is another kind of interesting 
not wrinkle, but uh, element to the story. I got to tell you, man, you've got some huge to to basically try to fish the information security community, right? Like Flipper Zeros, it's pretty clear who the target market is, right? For Flipper Zeros. Um, so to go fishing for them, pretty bold. But I will say, as cool as Flipper Zero was, anytime there is anything that has like some like frothy, um, frothed up fervent uh, fervor, to use a bunch of words, uh, around it, there is going to be an increase in social engineering attacks associated with it. Just think about ChatGPT right now. ChatGPT is literally got the internet on fire. People like everybody's talking about it. People are making videos all about it. If someone created some like quasi fake looking chat GPT site and then like basically said like, oh, would you like like, oh, chat GPT is going to start charging starting in February, um, a dollar uh, a query or whatever. But if you want, you can sign up now for a hundred dollars and have lifetime access. Right. So basically the first hundred queries you pay for and everything after that's free. A lot of people might jump on that because people are right now like having it write marketing copy and having it do blog posts and having it write YouTube shows. There's a million episodes on YouTube of people using ChatGPT to make money, right? So that would be a perfect one. The Flipper Zero, same thing. It was a rage. David Bomble made multiple videos that went viral about using this thing to like break into safes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I guess I'll say... This might even be uh, for your peers on the um, on the uh, the newsletter next week. There's Flipper Zero uh, phishing emails going out, so be mindful of that. If you want to Flipper Zero, use the correct channels only. It's very easy to get to the right channels. Uh, don't fall for fish. Don't lose your crypto. Guardian cyber attack hits week two, forcing staff to work from home. British publication The Guardian suffered what it first referred to as a serious IT incident on its systems on December 21st. The Guardian now suspects the incident resulted from a ransomware attack. The company said, quote, We've been able to keep publishing our journalism digitally and in print, but a number of key IT systems have been affected, end quote. Most of its staff in the UK, US, and Australia will be continuing to work from home until at least January 23rd. All right. So... Um, yeah, the Guardian's like a news outlet in Great Britain, as far as I know, and they got ransomware and they suck. Like, I'm not, they suck. The ransomware threat actor groups and the Guardian has been impacted. Uh, a couple things here. Um, dude, like this, like you need this going on. A data watchdog wants a word over the failure to systems. Like you're like literally, dude, this is the equivalent of like having a hole in your boat and like frantically trying to bail the boat out. You're keeping the boat above water, but it is frantic to like continue to bail the boat out. And then you got some watchdog come on over your shoulder and they're like, tell me about how you're maintaining the oars of this boat. You're like, bro, like I'm trying to like not sink right now. Can you just like give me a second? <laughs> like it's not good. Now I do want to say kudos to the Guardian for implementing cyber resiliency, obviously. Obviously, they um, thought about what to do in, if, in the event of like a ransomware attack or a serious cyber attack, because they said in the story that they have been able to continue uh, delivering on their business, right? Staff's working from home, uh, news stories are coming out, but their IT infrastructure is screwed right now, okay? So they're going to recover. I, I, 
I don't know if they're going to pay the ransom. As far as I know, they haven't disclosed what threat actor group it was. Um, you know, Joel Belton might know. Uh, yeah, we're going to need a bigger boat. That's right. Um, but anyways, dude, it's like I say, every, I say, I've been saying this a lot lately. Like, dude, it's like just it's a day that ends in Y. There's going to be some some business that get hit with ransomware, right? Like it's 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 not even like newsworthy anymore, sadly. Uh, but just keep an eye on the Guardian. They're continuing to deliver. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe they get hit with a GDPR fine. I don't know. XGE engineer gets two years in prison for stealing turbine tech for China. In March, former General Electric engineer Sho Ching Zeng was convicted of conspiring with his wife's nephew and the Chinese government to steal GE's ground and aviation-based turbine secrets worth millions of dollars. Beijing has listed both of these technologies as major research and manufacturing priorities in the country's latest five-year plan. In 2016, Zeng co-founded a Chinese company that develops turbine parts but assured GE there was no conflict of interest. GE discovered that Zeng was encrypting proprietary files using his own software and then cleverly hiding them in the code of image files using stenography Ooh. before exfiltrating them via email. A U.S. judge has sentenced Zeng to two years in prison, a year of supervised release, and to pay a $7,500 fine. <laughs> All right. Um... Okay, so uh, there's a lot to unpack here, okay? The guy was sentenced to two years in jail. The guy was sentenced to two years in jail. I don't even know if he's going to have to serve the two years. I kind of missed that part. And he got a $7,500 fine. Dude, he was selling proprietary turbine engine technology worth millions of dollars. I'm not saying... Guys, I do not want to go to jail ever. I am not interested in that. But if I said, hey, would you... Would you spend, I don't know, six months in jail and 18 months of probation for $2 million? Would you do it? I mean, there's, like, there's a number, right? There is a number, right? Like, if I offered you $5 billion to go to jail for one year, would you do it? $5 billion, like, probably. I don't even want to go to jail, but $5 billion, that's a lot of money, right? Like, so what's your number? Is it $500 million, $50 million, $2 million? At some, like, fifty. $5,000. Like at some point you're like, that's ridiculous. I'm not doing that for that. But there is a number, right? I, I, I'm not saying anything about this guy. I'm just saying like $7,500 fine and like a little jail time for millions of dollars. Uh, I don't know. Now let's unpack this. Um, the dude encrypted the tech. Uh, the dude encrypted the, um, the, the data using his own whatever encryption algorithms. And then he hid it in a picture. Like I am bookmarking the crap out of this, out of this story. A because part of my um, course I teach does include a whole section on um, on corporate espionage. Uh, but dude, like the stenography has long been known in our industry for like twenty years at least um, of hiding data in pictures. It's a very well established practice. You can Google it if you don't know what it is. Stenography, um, but I've never heard of anyone actually doing it. Right. Uh, and this guy was doing it. Uh, so so interesting use case uh, to exfil data out. Uh, the one thing I'm kind of curious about is how did they catch him? Um, when you get into a more mature cybersecurity program, you begin to do something called data classification, where you say that this information is sensitive, this information is for this department's use only. And then when people start touching it, um, 
flags, you know, get lifted or audit logs indicate like, oh, this person touched this or this person copied this file to this system. Uh, so this dude probably had access to this blueprints and stuff. But when they saw him copying it to his own machine, encrypting the files, like that is really, really granular level of uh, audit and insider threat. So uh, really interesting. This might be a good question for Charles Finfrock, uh, as he was uh, director of insider threat for Tesla for some time uh, on how they may have caught him. But this is a bookmarkable story for me. Uh, and as a great example, if you are in an industry that has intellectual property, right? So like software, like your tech company or your manufacturing company with intellectual property, blueprints, schematics, CAD drawings, whatever, patents, bookmark this story because this is a great example of how it can really manifest uh, into theft, basically, of your product. Bank workers celebrate first full year without robberies. Denmark has recorded its first full year without bank robberies. A report from the country's finance workers union attributes the landmark to the increasingly cashless society which has led banks to reduce their cash services and therefore leaving little potential loot for robbers. The report said back in 2000 there were 221 bank robberies and that that number has gradually decreased to fewer than 10 per year since 2017. Wow. And that does it for today. All right, so that's going to do it for the news today. Let's go ahead and get some music. Get some music going underneath what I'm about to say. So this is kind of cool. Uh, when the, when I saw the headline come up, I was like, okay, like people like in the streets of of, of um, Danish. What is Danish? Is that Netherlands? The Danes? I think that's Netherlands, right? Um, I'm sometimes my lack of oh Denmark. I'm. My lack of like culture sometimes uh, crops out. So sorry, uh, Denmark people. Sorry, Netherlands people. Um, what are the Netherlands people called? So any, anyways, they celebrate a year without bank robberies. This is kind of an interesting, unexpected, um, tangential positive impact of going to more of a cashless society, right? So as we do, um, you know, cryptocurrency, as we do debit cards, right? Like as there's less need for a physical bank, for someone to physically go to and talk to a physical bank teller or a banker, right? It used to be like in the 30s, like if you needed money, you'd go to the bank, you'd have a relationship with the banker. The banker would individually decide whether or not to give you money and at what rate to give you that money. Bankers used to have massive power and influence in communities because they basically controlled the money, right? Well, that's kind of gone away. Now you can go on quickenloans.com. You can go to Rocket Mortgage. Like you can, like money is kind of decentralized, right? There's been a, 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 a what is it? Not dissolution. There's been a um, dilution of centralizing that power. Okay. And because the banks aren't where the money's kept anymore, the bank robberies have gone down. And I just want to say, like, there is an intrinsic value. Like, if you've ever been a victim of a crime, whether it's having your credit card stolen or even worse, like being mugged or, you know, feeling threatened physically, it's traumatic. It is traumatic. There's no way around it. It is uh, deeply unsettling and concerning. And I'm sure the people who were in the bank when a bank robbery occurred or the tellers who had a gun pointed at them, 
we're, we're traumatized, right? So um, I, I, I guess I see value in this, um, in this happening, right? And probably why they're celebrating. Again, this isn't a real cybersecurity story, so uh, kind of a slow story. I do, hey, shout out to The Guardian under a ransomware attack, but delivering, delivering on the Denmark story here. Yeah, put all your money in crypto now. Don't, don't do that. That's definitely not financial advice and not what I'm talking about up in here. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for the news today. I do want to remind everybody that later today at 4.30 p.m., I am super excited to be welcoming Jess Bishop and Stacey Loki onto Simply Cyber Live. We're going to be talking about a day in the life of a SOC analyst who works the, the, the night shift, the third shift, right? So it's a night in the life of the SOC analyst. Is it cool? Is it harder? What's the difference? What's the impact on your personal life? Are you getting access to more interesting cases? Is it, is it, what's the deal with the night shift? Instead of me uh, pontificating on what the deal is, why don't we invite two SOC analyst professionals who are currently working the night shift right now to get their take on the value. Stacy and Jess Bishop have long time been members of the Simply Cyber community. So I'm very excited to bring them on. Jess is in chat right now. I see her. I see Jess in chat. So we're going to have a good talk uh, later tonight um, on that topic. So I hope you can join us. If you um, aren't familiar with how to get to this, I'm going to drop a link in chat right now for night in the uh, night in the life of a sock analyst. Okay, there's a link. Come on over to YouTube. It will be streamed onto LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. But uh, YouTube is where all the emotes are. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, I genuinely appreciate it. I'm going to give it five minutes of jaw jacking, uh, but, um, you know, hit the like on the way out. If you're a hashtag team replay, thank you so much. Uh, check back tomorrow as I will be revealing what the, pri uh, the raffle giveaways are next week. Uh, thanks to Dan Reardon for the meme of the week, which was hilarious. Uh, Joel Belton's ice cream. Definitely check out the Cyber Defenders podcast. I am affiliated with them and love the work that Lima Charlie's doing. And of course, as always, thanks to the stream sponsors. Have a good one, everybody. Okay, now it's time for some jaw jacking. I got five minutes. I will be interviewing elementary school teacher to cyber uh, at 9 a.m. this morning. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoy that. Let's look at the emote votes. All right, so Jaw Jackins at 47% is the win, but right now I, I don't want to, if, if more than half the community isn't feeling an emote, I'm not going to promote the emote into the streams, okay? So I'll, I'll, take, some, I'll take some feedback on the emotes, guys. You let me know. Like, I'd, lo I'd love to get... I thought, honestly, I thought this Bender one was going to take off. Uh, but, you know, this is why I do the voting and don't just, like, push emotes onto you guys. Make the vote between the top two. That's a good idea. Here, let's do that. So, let's do this. Jaw jack in. I guess I can move uh, Barricade Cyber Solutions out. Yeah, no, I hear you, George Strasberger. I hear you on that one. Uh, too many choices. Okay, so let's just do this. Um, 
Do you got well let me ask you this. Do you do, is this George like this one's pretty obvious, right? This Breakfast Club one is it's you know iconic. I didn't have to really think about it. This jawjacking one, we've had a couple iterations of what jawjacking um is. Uh so I mean, do you guys not like this as a jawjacking one? I feel like uh people want a jawjacking emote and it's more about getting an emote for jacking uh for jawjacking. Jabber jaws, yeah. So uh, how about this? Maybe tomorrow I'll try to pick four jawjacking related emotes and we can vote that way. No problem, Summer Rains. Be good. Have a good day. Jabberjaw Shark. We could do that. Gale Salins. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So what we'll do, um, we'll do a, um, we'll do a jaw jacking exclusive uh, emote challenge tomorrow. An emote, gee, an emote. It's it's these fun things right here. If you're if you're a squad member, you get access to like special funny fun emotes that are you know, like Chief Wiggum here, or John Strand here, or Charles Finfrock here, or Tinfoil Hat Jerry here. We just need a meme of Jerry with blah 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 above his head. That could work. Dan Reardon, do you mind? I know you're a uh, short time in it at your current job until you start in mid January. Maybe a jaw jack and Jerry. Yeah, Paula Terranova with Hacker Man. I love it. I would like an emote, just not a fan of that one. No, okay, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Get out of here with that, William Ayers. We don't need sour milk emojis. Mm -mm. Oh, yeah, if you guys don't know, um, I have like a fun activity each day of the week and Tuesday is Tidbits Tuesday. I'm officially branding it Tidbits Tuesday where I share a little a little tidbit about me. <laughs> and last week was that I absolutely loathe sour cream. <laughs> as as bird brained and neurotic as it is, it's because it's called sour cream, which is a synonym uh, if if you if you map it over to spoiled milk, right? Sour spoiled cream milk. And spoiled milk is disgusting. Am I right? All right. Oh, Joel Belton, get out of here with that, man. No, 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 Steve. You uh, you might not be a squad member, but you can certainly vote on the uh, on the emotes, right? Have a great day, everyone. Paula Terranova, go crush it. Um, Adam, thank you. Hey, I want to say shout out to Adam V. Um, uh, was on the Security FWD stream with Cody Kinsey, mentioned Simply Cyber. Um, I reached out to Cody. Um, Cody's big time, right? Like he, like his his people contacted me. I didn't even talk to Cody, and they like asked me to like explain what I wanted to do. I explained it, and then Cody said on stream last night, I believe, um, that they're you know excited about coming on Simply Cyber and uh, sharing with you all what they've been working on. And uh, he even brought up my channel on his stream, which I thought was wicked cool. So super excited for that project to come together. Um, guys, what is it with you and the sour cream? Gross. We need an emote glossary mapping. That's funny, Richard. Hey, Kimberly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The jawjacking, uh, you know, so... I, 
There's some inside jokes, but I don't want to be exclusive. So anytime any, please chat. Anytime someone asks why we do something like sour cream or jaw jacking or, you know, anything, uh, please let them in on the story, please. Um, Cause I don't, I, I love having fun things for us, but I don't want to be exclusive. Uh, final thing I'll say is Grace um, Callen's artwork of the week for next week. He's already, he's already done it. And this piece of art, he's actually named, <laughs> which is wonderful. All right, guys, it's um, it's time for to boogie here uh, because I've got to go interview someone, which is super awesome. And uh, I wish you all the very best. We'll see you tomorrow. Well, we'll see you later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time for a night in the life of a sock analyst. Or if you're just into the news, uh, we will be doing... Tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm Gerald Dozier, your chat. Thank you all so much. Be good. And until next time, stay secure.